Welcome to the latest podcast for The Lancet. I'm Gavin Cleaver and it's Tuesday, December the 5th. Now we've got a very interesting new paper on primary care weight management and type 2 diabetes online today and I'm delighted to be joined by the lead author, Professor Roy Taylor. Professor Taylor, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you. I'm Roy Taylor, Professor of Medicine and Metabolism here in Newcastle upon Tyne and honorary consultant physician looking after diabetes. And I'll be talking about this study, representing myself and my co-senior author, Mike Lean from Glasgow, Professor of Human Nutrition in Glasgow. Well, thank you so much for your time today. So to jump right in, for background, what kind of burden does type 2 diabetes currently place on the health system in the UK? And what kind of burden is it projected to place in the future? Well, for the health system, the burden is largely a financial one. It is just enormous. The tablets alone provided for type 2 diabetes cost the UK about a billion pounds a year. The overall costs of type 2 diabetes are far greater than that, however, and that is because of the serious complications which arise. Some estimates have been put as high as £14 billion per year with complications. So for the health system, the potential for actually saving money, if we could relieve this burden, would be huge. Of course, the advantages for the individual are similarly potentially very good. So currently, what are the usual treatments for overweight patients who are seen as at risk of type 2 diabetes? Well, typically, a person coming along with a new diagnosis of type 2 diabetes would be advised to uh, lose some weight and to exercise more and to uh, change their diet. They might be referred to a dietitian or just advised to uh, cut out sugar. And quite often, uh, metformin tablets would be provided at the time of diagnosis. So that would be the general thrust as reflecting, indeed, current guidelines. And in the case of your study, what did your proposed intervention involve? The intervention in direct was to have a distinct period of weight loss aiming to lose about 15% of body weight. Now, in practice, we aimed for 15 kilograms weight loss. Uh, The average weight of our subjects was very close to 100 kilograms. On day one of the diet, we stopped all the anti-diabetic tablets. Now, in the study, people were excluded if they were already on insulin, just for reasons of simplicity, but they might be on any other tablet or indeed injectable treatment. But the treatment didn't end there because after the weight loss period, we had a very carefully controlled stepped reintroduction of food. And that was crucial to lead into the long-term weight management, which reflected behavioral input in order to try and modify long-term habits and keep the weight down. So how successful were you in reversing type 2 diabetes with this approach? Well, the headline figure was that by the intention to treat principle, about half of all the intervention group achieved remission of their diabetes at one year. So uh, that's remission after the weight loss, but importantly, keeping that remission up to the one-year mark. That is a headline figure and very exciting, but What is even clearer behind that headline is the effect of each amount of weight lost. If people achieve the target of losing more than 15 kilograms, then 86%, nearly uh, 9 out of 10 people, 
achieved remission of their diabetes, at least up to the one-year mark. If they achieved over 10 kilograms weight loss, then 73% of people achieved remission. And so as we went down with the weight loss, so less and less people uh, achieved remission. And of course, with no weight change, there was no remission. And you were mentioning about the long-term weight management there as well. If people gain weight again, could their type 2 diabetes return? I would say it was virtually a certainty that it would return because we can now see very clearly what is causing type 2 diabetes. It's very much a matter of an individual having more fat in the body than they can cope with, and it's silted up in the liver and the pancreas. Now, by the approach used in direct, we know from our basic studies that the fat in liver and the fat in pancreas will be scooted out and these organs return to normal function. So if the fat is allowed to get back into the body, reaccumulate, then it is, as I say, a virtual certainty that type 2 diabetes uh, will develop. That's why we talk about remission of diabetes and not cure. So are you hoping that your findings in this study could influence wider clinical practice across the country and maybe worldwide? It's certainly a possibility. It depends upon the health service grasping these new data, this exciting information, and taking definitive decisions. It would be necessary to provide people with the very simple advice because this study was delivered entirely in primary care and that was possible by uh, training the general practice staff, the GP's nurse or dietitian if they have a dietitian and the training was eight hours of structured teaching. So that is the upfront bit of this but importantly there was ongoing support for the individuals in the study so they could come back and see the practice nurse every few months for ongoing support. Because we know from other studies that ongoing support is really one of the most important parts of ongoing prevention of weight regain. Just finally, how could wider government policy help this situation, policy outside of the NHS? Is there anything the government could be doing better to help people with their weight management? I think the urgency of the current situation whereby the weight of the population is steadily rising, it's not people becoming grossly obese. That tends to be focused upon in news programs. It's a matter of everyone carrying extra pounds that they wouldn't have been carrying even 30 years ago. The hard fact is that the average man and the average woman in the UK today is a stone and a half heavier than they would have been 30 years ago. We have very good data from 1980, very good data from 2010. That's a completely shocking statistic. Now, this has got to be grasped and acted upon. But at the present time, the, the message is rather confused. We have to realize that this is largely a matter of food consumption. Certainly, physical activity day-to-day -day can help with keeping the weight down. But we do need legislation to regulate uh, the activity of the food industry, not so much in the contents of uh, food purveyed, but in the quantity provided, uh, some of which is extremely unsuitable and uh, runs against what we need to uh, achieve as a country, which is a reversal of this steady increase in average weight. 
Well, Professor Taylor, it's a fascinating paper with some really, really important messages. And uh, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you indeed.